Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think just going off of what you just said uh, about people kind of understanding is you got to be able to build a relationship and gain trust with people so that one day people can say, um, if, if, you, if I'm the business, say, what are you trying to get done with your vehicle? And they said, I'll get whatever you, whatever you think I, it needs. Mm-hmm. And then whenever you get to that point, you have to be, have be an ethical human being <laughs> to not suck them dry with money, but to say, Hey, you know, you could do this. You could do that. Realistically, you might want to do a one step rather than a two step, or you might want to do a sealant rather than a ceramic coating. People push people to ceramic coatings just because it makes them the most money. When in reality, if you give a person a ceramic coating, that's not going to maintain it. And then it gets trashed and water spotted and, you know, swirled. And then they call you and say, Hey, my, my coating is water spotted. Okay. If you can educate them and let them know that it probably will be, or it could potentially be, if you don't maintain it right, then it's, it's, I guess it's just on you. But as long as you make sure that you do what the customer needs and what they what you think is best for them, not just best for your pocket, mm-hmm. um, there's really no problems. And there's been customers that I've had that have been like, hey, I want a ceramic coating. And I say, all right, well, how do you plan on maintaining it? And they say, well, what do you mean? I said, well, how often do you wash your vehicle? Where is it stored? Is it stored outside under trees? Is it stored in the garage? Uh, what's your plan with the vehicle? Whenever you start asking them those questions, they're like, man, this dude actually like kind of cares. <laughs> He's not just telling me what my prices are, which you have to really understand what they want in order to give them a price. Um, but if you're not asking the questions first about their situation and just go straight to the price, it's going to be a very quick conversation. They're going to say, let me talk to my wife and or I'll, you know, I'm calling around and we'll, we'll talk later and then you're never going to hear from them. Hmm. Hey, what's going on, everyone? My name is Dustin. I'm the host of the Detail Spot podcast. And in this episode, we brought on Bradley with AutoWorks Detailing in Virginia. Bradley's going to share his journey and share how he actually went from, you know, the start of his business to what he is now, which is a paint correction and coding specialist, and how he's actually about to move into a bigger facility where he's going to offer, you know, window tent detailing, paint correction, coatings, and then potentially PPF. So how he got his business to that level. He's also going to share how to operate with employees and uh, how to operate without employees. So it's a super impactful episode and you're not going to want to miss it. And if you are enjoying the content that's coming from this channel and you're enjoying the podcast episodes and you're listening to us on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Spotify. If you can leave us a review, it's going to greatly help the channel grow. And uh, if you enjoy this episode, make sure to share it with a friend on social media so they can get all the information from it as well. And hopefully they enjoy it. Uh, So let's dive in this episode with Bradley. I want to invite you to join the detail community, which is a platform for detailers that are either looking to start their detailing business or grow their business to the next level. So if this is you, I want to invite you to join so that you can get access to a library of resources that you can come view at whatever stage you're at in your detailing business. You know, it's going to show you everything behind the scenes on what it takes to grow a successful detailing business. You also get access to a members only podcast where you can see even more episodes. You're also going to get access to a community forum area to where you can connect and grow with other like-minded detailers that are going to help you help support you every step of the way during your journey. You're going to get all of that plus so much more inside the detail community for only $27 a month and you get your first 30 days for only a dollar. So the way to look at this is if one if you only get one single thing from the community and you know you only 
if only one strategy or only one system lead or contribute to a lead coming in or a, a customer booking with you, your membership is paid for plus some. So it's honestly a no brainer. And the amount of success that some of the members are having inside, it makes it all worth it. So come connect with those guys. Come, you know, learn what you need to learn within your business and just come be a part of this. Come be a part of the community at the founding stage. So come join today. I can't wait to see you inside. I can't wait to see your business evolve. And I cannot wait to connect with you more. To join, go to thedetailcommunity.com or you can go to the description if you're watching on YouTube. The link will be there. Or if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, the link will be in the show notes. Gotcha. And you may hear my kids scream. Uh, they're having a water balloon fight and I think it's pouring on raining. So <laughs> they might buzz in here. Cooper, okay. might, have a, uh, Cooper might have a podcast uh, showing. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. Um, yeah. So tell us a little bit about how you started, how you got into this industry and uh, a little bit about yourself. Uh, so, well, first of all, my name is Bradley, um, Chester, Virginia, uh, 30 minutes south of Richmond. Um, I probably started like most people had started where I'd always kept my own stuff clean and I always kind of took pride in what I, uh, the image of my vehicles portrayed. Um, and then obviously, you know, they kind of just started from there. So I went to school in uh, St. Louis, Missouri and my first job, uh, I'd always been an athlete. So I kind of played year round. So I didn't really have time to, you know, work or do anything like that. I was all focused on just the athletic part, but I worked at a place called Waterway and it was like one of those drive through car washes that did, you know, detailing here and there or what they call detailing. I look back, it wasn't much of anything, but uh, I had started there and I kind of got the, the mojo as far as, you know, the volume and, you know, just kind of getting the real basic uh, aspects of, you know, drying it, door jams, uh, vacuuming. They did some uh, extraction, I think, here and there. But uh, but really, that was my true first job, I would say, uh, where I actually made halfway decent money. And it was really bad sometimes because St. Louis was really cold and uh, we were still out there, you know, grinding, working when it was 25, 30 degrees and the water was freezing on the cars. But uh, that was one of my very first jobs. But as far as the professional aspect of it, um, I had I was a personal trainer manager at Gold's Gym uh, in the local city down in Richmond. And, uh, you know, I had, it was a sales based job where I ran kind of the personal training department and uh, they had sales goals that you had to hit. And uh, I had set the record for the highest sales in consecutive months. And then they kind of bumped up the quota as far as how you would hit your bonuses to make it essentially impossible to make, you know, additional money. So when that started happening, I was like, all right, what, what can I do uh, where I can make more money and enjoy kind of what I like to do. And I, ironically, that time I had people start hitting me up about doing stuff on the side. And there was a couple of shorter days that I had where I would go and, you know, detail cars for two, three hours a day, one or two days a week and make, you know, a good amount of money from what I thought was good amount of money back then. Uh, about five and a half years ago, almost six years ago. And I was like, man, if I could do this in, you know, two days, what could I do in five or six days or seven days? And at that time I was Monday through Friday. Um, and then when I started my business, I was basically Monday through Sunday <laughs> every day. Um, but uh, so I ended up building up my clientele base while I still had my full-time job. I'd never recommend anybody just go full-fledged and just quit everything they got going on and you know, go straight into it without a clientele base or without any sort of experience. But uh, yeah, I started building up a clientele locally in my area and I knew quite a bit of people around the area as is. Um, and then word kind of got around on Facebook and uh, social media. I don't even think Instagram was really that huge back then, or I guess back then five, six years ago, it wasn't as big as it is now. 
but uh, social media kind of word of mouth, you and my family's, my, you know, my coworkers, friends, cars, and it kind of grew from there. Uh, then I ended up leaving my full-time job and uh, jumped right into it. So um, that's kind of how it, how it rocked, rocked and rolled. And then it kind of took off from there. Here we are. <laughs> yeah. I love that because like everybody's journey at the beginning is so similar. Like, um, you know, just talking with a lot of detailers and, and including myself, like we all start in either some type of automotive field, um, whether it be a car wash, entry level detailing shop. That's kind of where I started was like um, very entry level shop, like low pay. Um, and then a lot of guys work in the dealership side and they work up from there. It's just cool that like everybody's journey is essentially the same. And then it starts to branch off. And I think like detailers, like, I think we have like a weird personality to where like, we want that better, that something more, um, we want like to take our skill level to that next step. And we're always constantly learning and trying to figure out, Hey, how can I go from, you know, just a basic car washer to, a paint correction expert. And it's, it's just kind of cool to, to hear that, you know, you said it and it's like the same thing I hear over and over, Hey, started in car washing and then wanted to take my business to the next level. And it's so cool too, because like detailing really is an extremely profitable trade and you going from what, six years ago, you said like yep. six years ago, man, like the industry really has evolved, um, a lot in six years. Like I've seen it myself just go from like, you know, Hey, six years ago, you ceramic coatings were beginning to be, you know, kind of that crave, but like nowhere near what it is today. Yeah. And I, I will say, it seems like with kind of piggybacking off of that, it seems like a lot of guys that are just getting into it are trying to jump into the paint corrections and the ceramic coatings and all that right off of the jump. When in my opinion, I know not really anybody to say what anybody should do, but I personally think you should start out, do the hard work, do the nasty interiors, do just your regular wash and waxes or whatever that definition is. I know there's probably 500 of them, but I'll uh, start in the bottom, kind of work your way up and kind of go through the grind um, rather than jump right in. So granted, I know guys that have jumped right into corrections that do very well, um, but I just know where I've come from and how hard it's been to, you know, get the skills that I've uh, attained and I always want to get better. I'm not saying I'm the best, but I have grown a lot as far as my skill and just my overall confidence um, just over the years. Um, but yeah, I just, I just think you should do the, you know, do everything, figure out what you like. I know, I think the last guy you said, was it Serrano or t uh, was it Tony? Serrano's uh, the one? He, yeah, the guy Car mm -hmm. Carlos is up next week. And then Carlos. Uh, last week we had Shane Mackey with, um, he is with Waxing Off Detailing. He's only Marine Detailing pretty much. Gotcha. So he does Marine, the other guy mm -hmm. does interiors. Mm -hmm. And I, I, prefer, I prefer doing the paint correction ceramic coatings. I just get the I guess everything's instant gratification, but the instant gratification knowing that, Hey, this vehicle comes in looking like this. And then when it leaves, it's going to look like a whole nother vehicle. And then the people are going to be just be ecstatic. So, um, yeah. but yeah, I just think you should, you know, start out and, and kind of learn everything and then mm -hmm. kind of pick and choose what you want to decide to go with and then kind of just grow from there. But, uh, yeah. knowing how to do everything is obviously beneficial, but at the yeah, same I time, I think 95% of the people who get into like starting this, like in this industry, I think 95% should start in that interior detailing, learning how to properly wash a car, you know, starting with the basics. And then as you build that exposure, as your clients start to trust you and you get those, just those real OG clients, because that's like what, um, I would personally say that like my business has had most success with is just getting 
like almost friends. Like when your clients become like friends and they trust only you with your vehicle, when you can get more of those, you're going to have success and yep. whatever you offer. So once you start getting that exposure, meeting people through those interior details, those just basic wash and waxes, those entry level services, then once you start getting your skill level higher, like into paint correction, ceramic coatings, you still carry those same people with you, you know, the same clients that trust you from the beginning days. And then the, whenever they need the education of, uh, you know, oh, does my car need paint correction? Now you can educate them because you kind of, yeah. you know, learn those things. So I 100% agree with that. Like, and that's how I started. I didn't know paint correction when I first started. It was yeah. probably four or five, hell, I, I maybe even six years before I really started to say, now I know what I'm looking at when I'm looking yeah. at that light, you know? Oh yeah, because I know when I when I first started, we were at a house uh, that had like a one car garage, and true one car garages are like half car garages. It's enough to like fit a car in and like crack the door, and like you could like shimmy out. So that was when I first started. I did nothing, nothing but mobile essentially. I started out with an with an open trailer. I think it was a six by twelve. Uh, me and my dad like stained the wood, like ground on everything, painted it, made it look sweet. Uh, and then I moved to an enclosed trailer, and then I was still doing mobile. And now I actually don't do any mobile anymore whatsoever. I actually just started phasing that out just because uh, I'm back to being solo. Um, I had a couple of employees over the years that just hadn't worked out um, as far as kind of what my clients were, uh, expectations were and what they knew that I could do. And uh, there'd be times where they'd be like, hey, you know, what time are you going to be out there? I'm like, well, I'm not physically going to be out there, but so-and-so will be. And they're like, well, dang. And I'm like, what, do I, what am I supposed to do? Like, how, how do I even respond to that? Mm-hmm. Other than saying I can't be everywhere, be, you know, be a dick, be like, I can't be everywhere. I got work I got to do here. And then they're like, well, am I not special anymore? And then you yeah. got to, got, it's like a balance that can't really ever be balanced, but it, it come a point where uh, I kind of know what I want to do going forward and kind of what I want to focus on. And I had to make the change as much as it sucks because I don't like making people upset whatsoever, um, especially people that have been with me for, you know, the very beginning. Um, but like you said, they become friends and they understand and they kind of see you evolve and they know, you know, what to expect and where you're going. And they, they, they keep an eye on it, whether they say stuff or whether they don't, they, everybody keeps an eye on you, <laughs> whether they are commenting or liking or, you know, shooting texts here and there, but they, they pay attention. People that yeah. like you that don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely, man. And like what you said was it, it, it hit home for me because I personally saw that as well. Like, and you don't, you won't even know this until you see it. And once you see it, then you're like, man, how do I even fix this? Because in the, in the whole aspect of what you said, like when you have employees, like now you're ready to take your business to the next level, but then your, your customers don't want your employees. They want to do business with you only. So it's like the more you put yourself out there because you are supposed to like your brand, you are your personal self is your brand as well. So the more that you put your personal self in your brand now, and that's great. You'll get a lot of exposure. You'll, you'll gain a lot more traction because people want to do business with people, not really businesses. But then the downside of that is now your customers only see you and they only want to do business with you. So now when you start trying to grow and you send a guy out there, they're like, no, I want, I want you, you've done mine for the past three years. And it's like, crap, man. So it's so hard to transition like, and take your business to only promote it as your business, I guess. And I guess what would happen is you would lose customers. That's going to be inevitable. I guess any change you make within your business, you're going to lose people who um, only want to do business with you because that's, but that's just not achievable, long-term sustainable, you know? Um, 
but I think, I think you lose some clients, but I think the clients that you really want are the ones who say, Hey, whatever you think is right with your business, I trust you. So I think in long-term you'll, you'll lose some, but it may be clients that it sucks to lose them. Yeah. Oh, you might. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And I, I think just going off of what you just said uh, about people kind of understanding is you got to be able to build a relationship and gain trust with people so that one day people can say, um, if, if, you, if I'm the business, say, what are you trying to get done with your vehicle? And they said, I'll get whatever you, whatever you think I, it needs. Mm-hmm. And then whenever you can get to that point, you have to be, have be an ethical human being <laughs> to not suck them dry with money, but to say, Hey, you know, you could do this. You could do that. Realistically, you might want to do a one step rather than a two step. Or you might want to do a sealant rather than a ceramic coating. People push people to ceramic coatings just because it makes them the most money. When in reality, if you give a person a ceramic coating that's not going to maintain it, and then it gets trashed and water spotted and you know swirled, and then they call you and say, "Hey, my my coating is water spotted." Okay, if you can educate them and let them know that it probably will be or it could potentially be if you don't maintain it right, then yeah, it's it's I guess it's just on you. But as long as you make sure that you do what the customer needs and what they what you think is best for them, not just best for your pocket, mm-hmm. um, there's really no problems. And there's been customers that I've had that have been like, hey, I want a ceramic coating. And I say, all right, well, how do you plan on maintaining it? And they say, well, what do you mean? I said, well, how often do you wash your vehicle? Where is it stored? Is it stored outside under trees? Is it stored in the garage? Uh, what's your plan with the vehicle? Whenever you start asking them those questions, they're like, man, this dude actually like kind of cares. <laughs> He's not just telling me what my prices are, which you have to really understand what they want in order to give them a price. Um, but if you're not asking the questions first about their situation and just go straight to the price, it's going to be a very quick conversation. They're going to say, let me talk to my wife and or I'll, you know, I'm calling around and we'll, we'll talk later. And then you're never going to hear from them. Mm-hmm. And, so, w- and once it's done, once that, that, that um, once they're almost, once they feel yucky, I don't even know what word to use, but like once they feel yucky at you, the business yeah. owner, that, that you're never going to get it back. Like, and so yeah. once they think that you're, only out for their money, then they're, they're instantly just never really going to spend money with you in the future. And it's like, I think you're hundred percent right, man. Communication, just communicating with them, let them talk to you, ask them the questions that kind of sets you up for the slam dunk on what is perfect for them. Because you're the, you're the expert, you're the professional. Yeah. So when they're like, man, I actually plan on, I, I lease this vehicle and I get rid of it every year, you know, but I want something that lasts me a year. Well, obviously a ceramic coating is not perfect for that client because yeah. most of them last longer than a year. Maybe you have a one-year coating or something like that, but you know, and it's, it, you're a hundred percent right, man. It's ethical, pick their brain, ask them what they want. Sometimes it'll work out in your favor on, you know, Hey, this customer wants to keep this car forever. They're going to maintain it. They're going to garage, keep it. They don't use automated car washes. Hey, that's a perfect opportunity for ceramic coating. But if this customer's like, Hey, I plan on using that automated car wash and I don't plan on stopping. It's too convenient. Yeah. Well, I'm boom. not taking, <laughs> I'm not taking exactly. it. And I'll yeah. gladly tell them that. <laughs> and they're like, really? I'm like, why? Let me ask you, why would I do that? For one, you're spending all those hours getting the vehicle perfect, only to know it's going to be trashed nine days later. One car wash is done. It's done. Yeah. So, and that's another thing too with ceramic coating. I think the approach to it is is oftentimes, um, and honestly, it doesn't even come from us detailers. It mainly comes from the manufacturers. Like you got some big names out there that falsely advertise the longevity of it and how how like 
how many customers have you had come in and say, Oh, this will, I'll never have to do anything to it. It's going to last forever. And that's it. You know, like it's, I get them all the time and it's like, okay, now that's it. Yeah. It's take them three steps back now because they see this commercial or this ad online. And now they think that this coding is going to last forever, you know, and it kind of sucks. Um, but I guess that company's in business, the manufacturers in business to make money as well, but it, it just sucks that like, we're the ones that have to pick up the slack on the education part. Yeah. And that's, that's one reason speaking about the coding brands is we just got in uh, with Modesto or I just got in, I guess you can say some solo uh, with, with Modesto North America and John Purdue is really, really big on the education aspect of it. He doesn't like going off of claims as far as it's going to last this amount of years. Um, it's just educate them, find out their situation that they don't need a coding. Uh, or, you know, if they're going to keep the vehicle for two years, don't offer them, you know, BCO4, it's going to be three to 10 years because that mm -hmm. makes no sense whatsoever. Give them, you know, the coding that is going to suffice for their situation. So that's one of the reasons that I liked John is because he's brutally honest. Hopefully you can get him on here and he'll love to chat with you, I'm sure. But uh, brutally honest to the point, um, people think he's a dickhead probably. Actually, they probably do. They do actually. Um, but uh, most guys that are honest, people just have that claim anyway. So, but uh, we had education on really any coding is going to be important no matter which coding you go with. So yeah, but. definitely. I'd love to have them on, but um, I love that about businesses. Like there's a few businesses in within the industry, like product companies and um, like suppliers that just truly have like the core foundation of like what we should be even striving for. Um, and that's how you really have long-term success is just being ethically right. And, you know, like just communicating with your people. And there are some companies like ones that I was just talking about falsely claiming and they last forever. And, um, you know, you can set your car on fire and it's, it's gonna, you know, still, but, um, and then there's other one of my buddies said that before he's seen a, it was a, a dealership set a hood on fire. And he's like, I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, man. Yeah, it's pretty funny. It's laughable. But then people buy it. It's like, dude, they got they put something like in the air in this dealerships that just makes people sign on the dotted line for stuff they don't know what the hell they're talking about. But I'll I I'll rant on this. So let's go ahead and change the topic of dealership. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I know it, man. I think was it it's you horrible. that um when I first when we first communicated, was it you that we were talking about the dealership codings? Probably. I yeah. had a conversation like 19 times a week and I get tired of talking about it, but yeah, probably yeah. with me. It yeah. I feel that for sure. All right. So, so on the topic of like employees, this one is so key and it's, it's, it's a hard one. Um, and what you've been through, I've been through it and it sucks, man. Like where you, your workload matches how many employees you have. So like when you build your business up, you're growing, you're growing, you're growing. Okay, now I need to bring on one employee. And then you're like, okay, cool. Now I'm functioning on two. Now I need to bring on a third. And then what's it like when you lose two of them? Like what, what happens to your production? How is it when, you know, now you have these leads coming in? How do you manage all that when you lose two employees like that? Thankfully, uh, most of the people that reach out to us, um, Sorry, I just had a message probably, but I lost my train of thought. Sorry. No, you're fine. <laughs> what was the question again? How do I manage, how do I manage losing them at the same time? Yeah, and so like when you have two employees, how do you how do you still produce work and maintain that level of work functioning on three guys and then now just back down to yourself? How, how did that affect you? So uh, for like the first like two to three weeks, it sucked because I had, you know, a, a schedule for three guys basically. So essentially the way that I did it was I had another, my last employee could correct paint. 
um, pretty well um, and polished and stuff like that. So we would normally tag team on the, uh, the correction, be able to knock them out in two days. Um, and then my newest employee had never been a detailer, never cleaned anything. So he was real basic and, you know, just getting the, you know, vacuuming, blowouts, uh, light maintenance stuff as far as maintenance clients. So I had my coding schedule basically planned out and I would just try to fill in whenever I'd get a call for certain days where I knew I only had correction work so that the, those guys could have work. So my correction schedule is out till basically uh, the middle of middle to the end of August right now. So now I'm not taking any more general detail as far as like your typical wash and waxes or interiors and exteriors. I'm strictly just doing the corrections and coatings up until the middle of August. And then I've got to be able to kind of still handle some maintenance clients that can bring their stuff by. But to answer your question, um, it sucked in the beginning. Um, and I just had to do long days to suck it up because a lot of people that, that were doing, that was doing work for, I'd been with me for a while. So it kind of sucked because I have a wife and two kids and I like to see them a little bit, <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh, at the same time I got it done and I sucked it up and sometimes you got to do that. But now I'm able to really not be picky, but, you know, choose what, which work I want to do. So if I know it's a, you know, a minivan, I hope nobody watching this has a minivan that's trying to schedule, but uh, let's say a minivan comes in and they said they never had it clean in 15 years. I'm probably going to be less likely to take that job than if somebody says, Hey, I got a, you know, I want to get a one step in a two year coding. Mm-hmm. I'd much rather do the one step in the two year coding than dive around in a minivan for an entire day, basically. So just, just a little bit more, be able to be a little bit more picky. Um, and then just kind of choose and kind of post what I, what post, what type of jobs I want to do on social media. I think I heard you talk about it before you have to post whatever jobs you want to do. If you want to do more corrections and, you know, more coatings, don't post nasty interior rejuvenation pest control services. You got to post what you want to, what you want to target because everybody's going to see if they see you're doing a bunch of interiors, they're going to think you do a whole lot of interiors. Mm-hmm. So now I don't post any, I rarely post any general detailing. It's all, you know, paint correction, ceramic coatings, which thankfully I'm doing a lot more of. So it's easier to have the content. Um, and I keep up with my social media pretty well, probably too much, my wife says. But uh, um, just just posting what you want to do and what you want to kind of target, which is just basic marketing. You, I really do like your social media too, because like back to, and I used that as an example earlier about like your personal <laughs> brand is you yourself. Like, and, and it's the most, like, you don't have to do it that way. You don't have to use your yourself and it's just easier to do because you're always there. It's easy content, you know, like, Hey, yeah. pull out your camera. Here's me talking. Like you don't have to have a car in the background when you're okay with jumping on camera and, yeah. you know, telling your customers. And I like yours because you show a lot of personality with it. And like, it catches your attention. It makes you stay on it longer. You know, like your whole brand is, is spot on. And like your customers, like I'm a different perspective just because like, I'm not your client. I'm not even the same state as you, but like, if I were your client, you would catch my attention and I would really vibe with like the personality of it. So like your social media is spot on. I don't think you can, I I don't think you can do, like you said, like you may be on it too much. I don't think that's even a thing. I think like if anybody's listening is like, man, I, am I doing too much or too little on social media? I think it's always down to like, what's sustainable, you know, like, Hey, you know, if, if uh, you only want to post once a week and like, and that's like what you plan on doing in the future, then stay there. But uh, if you can constantly push content, man, that's, that's the society we live in. Yeah. The people, the, the clients, um, the clients want to see, 
an authentic person online and they want to see you be the same exact person online as you are in person. Mm-hmm. So I'm real, like I drink a lot of energy drinks. Probably my wife, my wife's a nurse. She drinks, she's out there way too many, but I told her this little rant or side, side note. I told her all the pre-workouts that I took back in the day when I was working out all the time, 400 milligrams of caffeine in one, one go every day. Now I'm drinking 250, maybe a day. So I've actually gotten better if you, if you want to think about it that way. But, uh, but anyway, people want to see that you're authentic and they want to see your personality and know who they're dealing with. And then whenever they, you get in front of them, you got to be the same exact person and show the same energy. So you could be the best detailer in the world and have all the skills in the world if you can't communicate or build a relationship or show kind of what you're, what you, what you're like, basically your personality or what type of person you are. Uh, nobody's going to want to do business with you. I know a lot of guys that um, are really good detailers, but they're introverts. So they walk around a car and there's nothing wrong with this, but like you said, different styles, they walk around a the car, they'll kill a correction. And they walk around and just, just pay them. And there's like no commentary. You didn't tell them like what you did, why you did it. Like there's nothing. People just see a super shiny car that made a huge transformation. And I'm the complete opposite. I like to talk probably too much. And I make like 19 reels before I can get one good one. Cause I always say one thing bad, but you might be in the same boat, but uh, you get, you get all the way to the end. You say one stupid word. You're like, man, why the heck did I say that? Click, let's yep. do it again. You look back on my cameras, I do it all the time. But oh. uh, just just being authentic is, is really, really key, especially on social media. So yeah, 100% man. Actually, today I um some days it's good, some days it's bad. Like, but um today I needed a two-minute intro clip for a podcast, and uh it took me about three and a half hours because <laughs> I, would, I would get to, some 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 days, dude. I'll just be like, screw it, man. That was a good one, let it rip, you know. And then other days I'm like Oh, yeah. Just perfectionist for no reason. I'm like, ah, oh, stumbled the word yeah. the. I gotta redo oh, yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, actually, I did. Uh, I was a mass communication major in school before I switched over to business, so I did a lot of sports broadcasting and stuff like that. And there was guys' names that I didn't even know how to say halfway, and you just got to be able to just talk and just figure it out. So I think that's why I do so well on a camera as far as mm-hmm. communicating or talking. Um, but some people yeah. have some don't. <laughs> and, and- and that that's like that's a perfect personality trait and i and that's one of the things it's like you were talking about like an introvert um getting your putting your personality into your brand and like if you do decide to put out videos of like yourself or put yourself in your stories or let your customers like really see who you are behind you know the the logo um that your, your, your engagement, your content, your leads coming in, it's going to skyrocket, but not everybody is built like that. Not everybody can, you know, do those videos and, and put out the things that you really, everybody should be putting out. And that's why I always say, if you're not that person, if you're, if you all, everybody has a weak point in their, what they're good at or what they're bad at. Like some people, it may be sales. Some people, it may be content creation or marketing. My best advice. And I think, everybody should hire what they're not good at. So like if there's ever a point to where an introvert is at that next level of like, Hey, I I need more leads coming in and you are like an introverted person. I think that would be the position to hire in. So say like, you know, and it may be different for everybody, like say, you know, and that, that may be that person detailing while that person is doing your content or your marketing, you know, 
And it's just like, that's the strategy to it. It's like, Hey, how to level up. It's going to be different for everybody. Cause you, you're, you're an extrovert. You're great at putting your personality out there and sharing your stuff and getting someone to, um, connect with you through a phone screen, you know? Um, so yep. maybe you would be like, Hey, I need a detailer versus, you know, so I can spend more time on this. Um, so yep. everybody's plans would be different. Yeah, there's going to be another transition as well. I have a uh, we're moving into a physical location. So right now I'm in my my house garage is almost a thousand square feet uh, that I outfitted for detailing and we do Winnington as well. But I'm moving into an actual shop and uh, a lot of my time is one person. I have a window tenter as well. Um, a lot of my time goes into answering calls, scheduling and all that. And before you know it, it's two o'clock and you're like, crap, I got this hammered car. I got to beat on for two or three days. And now I've just done lost half a day. So how am I going to make that up essentially? So yeah. my next move was to try to find somebody that could do like an admin type of deal where they answer the phones and do scheduling and all that. But then I got to thinking, I'm like, if people call, they want to talk to me. And then I have all the knowledge. I can break it down to literally to a T and answer any question they may have. Whereas an, an admin assistant or like an office manager, it's going to be like, all right, we'll listen to your question. Then they'll relay it to you. And then you got to call them back again. And then it just circles back to, could I just do it right by myself the first time? <laughs> so it's like a never ending circle of, and hopefully they give you the, the right representation of what the client's trying to ask. Cause half the time they don't know how to ask, even ask the question. You got to kind of mm -hmm. pick at them and find out exactly what they're asking. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. that's kind of yeah. where it's, it's that, gonna be and that'll all, that'll all be like experience based as well. Like you're the yeah. veteran at that. So you like, you know, certain yeah. things that they're asking certain words that's like, oh, I'm going to lead into this next, you know? Yeah. Yep. Uh, so you, you right now are out of your home, which it was one of my things I wanted to talk to you about was like, yep. I've always low key thought like, that's so powerful, like to be able to work. Um, I never personally did that. My stuff just was not set up that way. Like the city I lived in wasn't the city that like I was targeting. So it just didn't work out for me. But like, I always thought it is the most underrated thing is to work out of your garage. If you have that ability to, when you're first starting or like getting into this, that overhead cut, that low overhead, um, so key, man. So like, talk, talk to me a little bit more about like, how was it working out of your garage? Uh, it's good. I'm actually, I actually still do it. So I'm in the, in the process of waiting for the new shop to open up, but it's, it's really good. And I would continue to do it. I would not need a shop if we didn't do window 10. The only reason I say that is because we're doing window tent with the basically film with adhesive and we're trying to cut and polish the car. Any type of debris or any type of anything in the air could get stuck in that film. So we do a lot of detail and a lot of uh, a lot of corrections and stuff like that. So I'm essentially whenever my tenor's here, um, we are essentially trying to share a space that's unshareable. So now I just let him tent and then I kind of do what I can uh, off to the side where I can still get a little bit of work done. But I'm essentially just waiting for him to be done. So that's the one problem that I have. But other than that, if I just detail to be perfect, um, you know, I got a five minute or actually five, five uh, about 20 steps out my back door to my garage. Um, but I mean, I have HVAC, I have, you know, Swiss tracks floors. I got all the lights I, in the world. I can need actually probably too many, but uh, it definitely is good for, you know, cutting cost, um, which I've done for, we've had the house for two years and I've got it to where it's at in about a year and a half. I spent way too much money too quick. It, wasn't supposed to happen like that, but it did. But uh, it's, it's definitely nice. The only thing I would say is it's it's tough having a parking lot as your driveway because, you know, you have personal vehicles and I have a boat and I have, you know, a trailer and all sorts of stuff. And I play musical cars every single morning because the car that needs to get in the garage first is the one that's at the back of the line that can't really get access to it. 
So yeah. it's, it, it's good, but it's, it's annoying sometimes, but, uh, the, the money that I'll be spending on the shop will be, I think will be well-deserved, well-earned, I guess you can say. I mean, it's going to be worth it because you're, I'll be able to target people that I wasn't able to target working at my house because I don't hear too often, which is kind of bugs. It, it actually bugs me. I'm going to put that out there. I didn't know I was coming to a house is what I, is what people that I don't normally associate with say. And I just, I want to make a comment every single time and it just bugs the crap out of me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, my address is on Google. You see all of my posts and all of my social media where you found me, you should know where I'm at essentially. I don't, I bite my tongue and I say, yeah, I don't even know what I say. Cause I'd probably black out whenever I, <laughs> whenever that comes out, but, uh, yeah, that bugs me a little bit, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's cool. It's cool. I got everything right here. That probably would be, I, I didn't even think about that. That would actually bug me as well as like the, um, you, and you, you see, like, they try to degrade you. Like you're not a freaking stud. Come on now. Yeah. Like- <laughs> Come on, my guy. Yeah, the, big, the biggest thing is it's not the people that are from around here because I actually don't do any sort of marketing whatsoever. Don't do any paid advertisement at all, I guess, other than my website, which I guess you can consider paid. But uh, everybody that I deal with is essentially, you know, word of mouth in the area. You've seen my work, have somebody do work. Uh, I've done work for one of their buddies and then they call them and it kind of escalates. But I'm starting to reach a higher tier market, I guess you can say, with the corrections and the codings that we do. It was a different breed of people, I guess you can say. So I've had like the, the main comments I've had is the people that have come from uh, basically the West End of Richmond, where it's, you know, your super high end sports cars, you know, your Ferraris, your Lambos, your, you know, Teslas, if you want to call them high end. I've only done like two of those, which they don't have those in my area. But uh, they're like, yeah, I was in so and so. And he had a BMW. He started spewing out all these names. I'm like, dude, I got no idea what that is. Like, the model of your car doesn't really matter to me <laughs> yeah. other than the size of it. Like, what's that? What's, what's the size? And I was over here and they had this and this. I'm like, well, I want to be like, well, why are you over here? Why are you here? Yeah. So, oh, I didn't know it was at a house. Yeah. What is that? What literally, what does that, what does that change? Yeah. It ain't about where you do it. It's about the work you put out. And if I didn't put out good work, you're not going to be in my driveway right now. That, yeah. That's and the thing right there. Me. That's yeah. it right there. It's like, you called me for a reason. I know if you're that yeah. picky, you already went through two or three, four other businesses to look at either pricing or their brand. You chose yeah. me for a reason. And it's and like, I don't have the work I'm doing. Yeah. It is what it is. It's crazy, man. Sometimes clients can be like, sometimes clients will make me freaking lose my mind when I go home. Just like overthinking. Like I'm a huge overthinker. Um, like if I say something to a client, three hours later, sometimes I may be still thinking about that thing that I said yeah. to that client. <laughs> and it was just It'd a simple like, one line sentence, you know? Yeah. And P, I mean, people are telling me about all the cars these shops are doing. And I know, I know who does a good work around here. So yeah. I know who got it and who don't. Yeah. yeah. And is, like the city that you're in, is it a fairly large city? Um, I would say probably midsize. It depends on where you're from. I don't, I guess everybody has a different, different, different definition of what large is um let me look it up right now yeah what, what's like your major city you're by richmond richmond virginia okay so you do have a, a big Rich, city. richmond richmond is large that's about 30 35 minutes uh north okay i'm more in kind of like a rural area where we do a lot of trucks suvs uh i do cars here and there it kind of hurts my back so i don't try to do too many cars mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> we do a lot of real big lifted trucks um stuff like that we don't do you know high-end sports cars or mm-hmm. just a pain 
Just your demo, your demographic is almost identical to like where my yeah, blue collar. Yeah, it's like very um, bougie in some areas, but like uh, that's Richmond. That's the West End. That's the people I just described okay. to you. Yeah, I hope yeah, they're not listening. I'm not degrading you by any means. Did <laughs> 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 you happen to watch this? <laughs> no, it's like um, where I am. You have like uh, my city is like. 40,000, 50,000, they may be even 60,000 people now, but it's, it's 30 minutes from Nashville. So like <clears throat> used to be kind of small town. So it still functions on that, that Bubba. Um, you got some like people with like the, the lifted trucks, but like lariats, King ranches sometimes, oh, yeah. a lot of times. Um, so that's kind of, that would be your demographics almost identical. It's like, yeah, Richmond, Richmond's 230,000. Chester is about 34,000. Okay. Yeah, I do. I do a lot of uh, the, the exactly who you just described the the bubbas with the lifted trucks and the big nice wheels that do. Yeah. You know, they work like Honeywell, Philip Morris, uh, like the night shift jobs where they where they work like sixteens and then they have like a week off mm -hmm. stuff like that. I like dealing with those people because they work hard for their money, mm -hmm. um, and they appreciate everything that you do uh, compared to the people that make a whole lot of money and want everything you know spoon fed to them. And they want to be treated like they're, you know, God's gift to the earth when I, just, I don't treat anybody any different. Um, I mean, like I said, a car is a car. It doesn't really matter whether it's a, you know, a Honda Civic or a Ferrari. I've done all of it. Mm -hmm. it. It really, I could care less how much people ask me all the time, what kind of cars? I'm like, dude, I, I really don't know. I mean, look at the badge. Like I did on my story today, the, uh, it was an LS 500. And I was like, Lexus, it's a Lexus. <laughs> it's a black Lexus. <laughs> Bro, Lex Lexus is hard anyway. Like yeah. but anytime they go by model numbers, like Mercedes, Mercedes, BMW, Lexus, I'm out, bro. Like I, I remember like, when I ate last. Exactly. Like I, I like cars, but like I like what I like. And like I can't remember all of them though. Like, so it's when it comes down to model numbers, man, they'll be like, what car is it? I'm the same way. I <laughs> So are you, are you looking forward to like the next move? Because this, this seems like a next chapter of your business. Moving into a facility, you're now like, you'll probably be pushing tent more, I'm assuming, um, now that you kind of have a designated space for that. Are you excited to, you know, move or are you, would you rather have stayed? I'm, I'm su actually super excited to move because uh, tent's been very good for us. Um, my tenner's been with me for... Right at about a year, uh, I got certified to tent about two years ago, um, and I tried to manage tent myself and still do the tent while I had my super busy detailing schedule, and I tried to do it, and it was just horrible. It was – I didn't ever not work, um, and it was just taking me forever. Like, whenever you start anything new, you're like, you know how to do it, like, to a T. I could teach somebody probably how to tent, but as far as actually doing it, I'm, like, super OCD, and with tent, it's really hard to be OCD because there's not really ever a perfect tent job. There's a really good tent but there's, it's hardly ever perfect. And I'm like the perfect type. So I see like one little, you know, like one little crease or one little speck of dirt. And I'm like, man, I got to redo it. And before you know it, it's eight hours on two windows and you're making 150 bucks. Mm -hmm. So I actually ended up starting tent and stopping it. And then I hired uh, my tenor Jack, uh, who was referred um, in a couple areas, been around at a couple shops and uh, he's been with me for almost a year. So I am looking forward to it, to us to have separate spaces. Like we get along pretty well. We talk, uh, talk crap. I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss or not, but we talk crap to each other pretty much nonstop uh, the entire time. And we're really close to each other, like physically, like here to here. 
So he's going to have his own little area. I'm going to have my own little area and I'll be able to push tent. And granted, I'm still pushing it. Um, I'd be stupid not to, um, but it's just, it's so little space. Like I have a lot of space, but at the same time, I don't right now. So I'm going to have a whole lot more space and, you know, I have big bay doors and all sorts of stuff, but it's, it's going to be going to be cool. It's going to de definitely the next chapter for sure. And I want to expand even more. The, the unit we're going into has eight units. Uh, they are to 20 by 50. So we'll have 2000 square feet. And then there's a bathroom in the back in the middle. And I, I decided to not have a wall down the center. So it's pretty much just a big open area with a bathroom kind of blocking off two little separate uh, back areas. So I'll have one like coding booth or, you know, correction area. And then the tent's going to be on the other side and I'll have just open area up front. Um, so this, this space is definitely needed and it'll have parking as well, which I'm <laughs> looking forward to getting my driveway back. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, awesome, dude. And like you were talking about, um, getting tent perfect. And I know a lot of clients are kind of like nitpicky when it comes to tent, you know, like every car they get, they get tinted and they almost judge based on the, I, I mean, just like anything, I guess the quality of work, but I feel like it's a little bit more when it comes to tent because they can visually see it. Whereas like a coating it's clear. So it's like, you know, yeah. it, it's, it's a little bit different. How do you go about when, when there really isn't such a thing as a perfect tent job, how do you go about like, um, I guess expectations, like how do you, how do you manage those? Yeah. Well, with anything detailing or tent, you have to set the expectation up before, um, and make sure that you align and that everybody understands what's going to happen because with tent, what you get two weeks down the road is not what they get when they leave, which I think is the hardest, most frustrating part because you still have your solution bubbles, stuff could heat out and the adhesive can suck up. And uh, people don't really understand that. They think they know what they're talking about, but like with detailing, they, they don't know what they're talking about at the end of the day. So being able to explain that to them and not be rude or, or sound like you're trying to make them feel dumb um, is probably the, the biggest uh, learning curve uh, because like you said, with the ceramic coatings, what they get when they leave is exactly how it's going to be. But with tent, you tint it, it has to absorb and it has to, you know, the adhesive has to be sucked up by the sun and it's going to be better in two weeks. But getting people to understand that is really the hardest part because even if you tell them and there's, you know, your little solution bubbles, minor, minor, minutes, like microscopic, like in a bottom left corner, you got to go like with a light looking for it at the right angle to see it. They call you saying there's a problem. It's like six hours later. Yeah. Like Karen, it's going to be okay. <laughs> it's going to be okay. Karen. Uh, we actually <laughs> talked about this multiple times. Uh, you're going to need two weeks, Karen. <laughs> and I said, Karen, cause that's like the best way to describe uh, just, I don't know. Karen's. <laughs> yeah, man, that's, that's the service in, industry as a whole, like a little side yeah. rant. My wife is actually a server and um, she comes home and <clears throat> I couldn't, this is, I couldn't be a server here. And for this reason, just because we deal within the service industry, we may deal with, and especially when you get into like corrections coatings, you deal with one car over the course of two days. So you only have to maybe talk to that one client and that's the only client that you talk to sometimes for a day or two. And with servers, they deal with so many people and they'll get people that like complain about the most smallest thing and then not tip you. And it's like, they, I mean, she's, she's had multiple nights where it's just like $0 tips. They'll put like 99 cents on like an $80 tab. Yeah. And I'm like, I would lose my shit in front of that, yeah. that customer. You know, like I just couldn't do it. And, yeah. um, but yeah, I mean, they're, the clients are just, 
Ah, I don't know. And that's, that's a perk though. That's a pro for detailing in the sense of you deal with one person and, and interior detailing more of those quantity based. That's where it kind of sucks. And like, and I think everybody should slowly want their business to transition to something that's going to be more enjoyable, like corrections, coatings, PPF, tent just because your client interaction goes down and that's that's such an enjoyment like when you have to talk to less people meet less people's expectations and requirements like it 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 honestly makes you go home and um enjoy your job a little bit more yeah and you have to be able to uh you have to be able to provide you have to think about what people want like let's say for a new vehicle people that buy a new vehicle are let's hope they don't get a dealer coding but if they don't get a dealership coding or whatever they're calling it nowadays. What are they going to need for their car? They're going to need protection on the paint or any exterior or any interior sur uh, surface. They're probably going to get window tent and they could potentially need paint protection film. So as a business, you got to think about where people are going to be going and find a way to get all the services taken care of in one spot. So we don't do paint protection film right now, but I will be doing paint protection film by next year. I should probably get trained for it next year, but, uh, uh, a couple of people have told me, you know, if you're not doing, if you're a detailer that's not doing, you know, paint protection film, window tint, paint correction, ceramic coatings, you can kiss a goodbye. You're probably not going to make it another five, 10 years. Um, but that's, that's, that's just how the industry is going. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you do, you know, you're getting into your tent, you're getting into your paint protection film and you're making sure that you're able to do it at a high level before you go to another aspect, then that's really where you want to be. My tenor wants to do paint protection film now. And I say, slow your roll. I want to do it. I want to do it as well but let's go ahead and lock this in and make sure we do a really, really good job before we try to do something else. We want to be, uh, what's, what's the saying? A, uh, uh, Jack of all, or a master of all is a, or a, what's the dang on saying? Jack of all trades is a master of none or something like that. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I know what you're talking about, but I haven't heard it enough to like quote it perfectly. It's going to bug me. Let me look up a quote. It's pretty much like baby steps. Like, yes. Be good like, at one thing before you go to the next. Mm -hmm. Don't try to be, okay at everything or don't try to be okay at everything be great at yeah. a lot of things i think that's something you get what it's, I'm saying. it's really hard for us as well because like that entrepreneur type of mentality it's like your your freaking brain goes through the roof with ideas and like you can almost what happens is you almost see the big picture before you've actually did the steps to get there yeah. so it's like you're like oh dude when we add ppf we're going to make so much more money than what we're making now. Once we add that service, we're going to be able to get, you know, be an all inclusive shop, but it's like, Oh crap. First we need to, you know, yeah. get the training down. We need to first master, get our, get our customers knowing that we offer tent first before, you know, it's yeah. like, it, it's a, uh, I know exactly what you mean. It's like baby steps first. And, and it honestly goes back to, Hey, interior detailing. Like you were saying, your recommendation was, Hey, everybody should do that. That hard grunt work first master that then ease up to polishing maybe then maybe correction then coatings you know so and it all it's levels to this and that's what's the cool part is at the end of this these levels if you really want to be a um a big business a big detailing business now you can do ppf tent coatings and it's kind of cool because that wasn't a thing an all-inclusive shop really wasn't a thing three years ago, even five years ago. Yep. Now it's kind of like, dude, you're adding a whole nother business inside of your business now. Yeah. Cause now I know a couple of guys in my area that actually do mobile tent as well. So they're doing mobile tent, uh, mobile paper detection film. Great. You have to have a garage for the PPF, but 
they're doing 10 outside. My, uh, my buddy Devonte uh, has a big, one of those big Dodge Ram vans and he like moves the van around to block the wind while he tents one side. Actually pretty cool. Um, good guy. Um, but uh, he does all of that. And the tent shops that have been around for, you know, 15, 20 years are starting to catch on and the detailers are starting to come for the work. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're seeing what type of breed we are. <laughs> like we're tenors are a different breed and detailers are a different breed as well. But now you're starting to see the, the tent shops trying to do detailing as well and corrections and coatings. And I'm like, you ain't got it. Yeah. <laughs> That's not going to, it's great thought, but it's probably not going to work out. But uh, they're yeah. starting to see, um, you know, the detailers that are the higher end detailers doing, you know, getting into tent, which, are, which we're doing, getting into paint protection film, which they're also doing. So there were, it's starting to like be an actual fight for, not a fight, but clients are having more options. Mm-hmm. And would you rather go to a tent shop that's going to look janky and, you know, the dude's going to walk out and look like he might could potentially rob you. And, you know, you don't really know if you're going to make it out alive or are you going to come and deal with this beautiful face and have somebody that can communicate and has good reviews all over the place. The answer is yeah. pretty easy and it's going to help you whenever there's an issue. That's, a, that's one of the things that I had when I didn't tent or when I didn't really care about, you know, my own stuff was I would go and I have issues at some shops and they'd like yell at me. And I'm like, why am I getting yelled at? <laughs> I just, I had this minor problem and I just asked if it could like, it's something that would come out or if it would be fixed and, you know, I'd get like threatened. So mm-hmm. what type of environment do you want to support essentially? So. It, it's funny that you, you brought up, I actually have a story like um, recently, I actually collaborated with this, this tent shop um, whenever I first opened my shop up. And I was like, Hey man, like I don't offer tent anything, any, any person that comes in is like, Hey, you know, a guy that does good tent work, I'll send them your way. Like if you have any detailing or coatings, you send them my way. Well, like I was sending a lot of tent work. I wasn't getting any like in coatings and that's fine. It may work out like that. Some people may just be busier than others. Like I'm not, I didn't expect anything on the back and it wasn't like that type of collaboration where I was making money off of it. It It's just kind of more so about exposure, support and exposure. Well, fast forward to, to, to today, like this week or last week, I think it was, I actually had a client, we did a, um, we used to do lifetime coatings with the coding company that we offered at the time. And, um, we had a car that I coded like two and a half years ago or two years ago. And he was like, man, I just got my windows tinted by this guy. And, um, he said, you didn't do a very good job. And, um, for the amount of money that I paid and, I was like, I would love to know who it was and like, what was the, the imperfections that this tenor that now is doing coatings and, and, um, like detailing, what did he point out? And he's like these water spots and like these, um, these micro scratches on the hood. And like the client obviously didn't use those words, but I was like, you do know that that's a two-year-old coating, like water spots are going to form over the course of two years. And, um, I called the dude and was like, Hey man, like that's such bad business. And the fact that you know that these things are like not my fault or my business's fault and that you have to badmouth that. But I do yeah. feel that that's the direction that, um, I think tent shops have the disadvantage though. I think like 100%. a customer doesn't uh, put that together. Like, Oh, he's going to offer detailing too. But a detailer now, like customers kind of getting it in their head. Like, Oh, he may offer PPF. He may offer tent, you know, so detailing has yep. the one up and it's kind of lucky that it went like that. But, um, tent yep. shops just have a bad rep when it comes to, um, their persona, like the, the hoop yep. tent shops, you know, that's why I said they're, they're a different breed because a lot of the, a lot of tenors that are really good, which they there are really good tent shops around. They 
don't understand and they don't even talk to each other. Like they think it's like threatening whenever somebody else tries to do what they do and they like attack, try to like attack you. And I'm like, nah, nah, buddy. It's, it's actually not like that at all. But, uh, but yeah, like I said, it's just a different breed. Like it's just two different, two different types of people essentially. But people, yeah. people know they'll, they'll slowly figure out. They see, like I said before, they, people watch and they lurk and they, uh, they know. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. So we got, we got room for about one more topic. And if you, if you were to give someone that is looking, cause it's kind of perfect, worked out perfect that you are about to go to that next chapter. You're about to level up. Um, if you were to give someone that is looking to kind of, you know, a detailer already looking to take his business to the next step, what advice would you give them? Um, I would say for one, make sure you have all your ducks in a row. Uh, make sure you have a clientele base. If it is you going from mobile to a shop, uh, make sure you're going over to uh, all of your numbers and all of your, your money that's coming in and all of your expenses and make sure that for one, that you can afford to go into it, that you're going to make money off of it. And two, do you have the communication skills, the relationship building skills and uh, the detailing skills to, to do that? Because obviously if you're going into a shop, you're probably not doing it to go, you know, do your general detailing. You're probably going in to do your hiring work, correction, ceramic coatings, a tent like we talked about, paint protection film, stuff like that. So I would say just make sure you have all your ducks in a row. And if you've never, I think uh, if you've never gone to a training or any sort of training to better yourself or your skills, no matter how good you think you are or how bad you think you are, definitely go to trainings. I've been to, shoot, I've been to quite a few. I've been to Jeremy over at Shine Supply. I've been to Steve uh, Simmons, a Shine doctor, who also had Kilmer there. Um, and then David, uh, Legend Auto Detailing, come down here. Uh, we hosted a training. So I would say go to as many trainings that you can, pick, in, pick everybody's brain, um, make sure that you have the skills. Um, so not only you can actually physically do the work, but you can also talk about it. Um, and also uh, Chase Tubbs, I went to a training down there that was more business uh, focused, which I think that was probably one of the biggest ones, especially going into a shop, knowing how to market, how to do your SEO, how to do your website, how to get clients that you don't already, already have a grasp on. Um, it's, it's huge. That training was actually 99% business, business relationships, uh, communication, expectations, you know, pricing your packages, all sorts of stuff. And that was one of my, one of my favorites. And a lot of guys that I've, uh, that were at that training were doing very, very well. So, um, just knowing how to run the business, operate the business, communicate, uh, make sure you understand your skills in particular, what you need to work on, what you can, um, you know, get better at because everybody needs to nobody. It doesn't matter how many trainings you've been to. There's always things that you can improve on. Um, but uh, that's, I mean, that's probably my recommendation would just be, you know, realize it's going to be hard work and it's not going to be not going to be easy because if it was easy, here's the corny saying everybody would do it. Um, it's not easy at all. And it's long days and long nights and a lot of messages and texts and emails and whatever the case may be. So you stick with it and uh, it can definitely, definitely be uh, a success. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's not it's not easy whatsoever. This industry is very um you have to always be looking to learn. You have to always um, evolve with the the industry itself, like because this industry is one that's always always growing and always something new coming out, and um, it's not one that you can kind of just sit back and and you know you can reap the benefits, but you got to put in that upfront work. Like you you need to put in that that hustle upfront because. <clears throat> to get your vision or to get your, you know, say your profit goal is X amount. Like 
it's going to take a grind up front. You're going to have to learn. You're going to have to, you know, put in those long hours. You're going to have employees quit. You know, like you, we talked about earlier, you're going to have to match their work and the work that you already had. Um, so it's definitely a hard trade. Um, but that vision just has to overpower, you know, because it is worth it in the end. And I truly do love this industry as a whole. I think like sky's the limit here. I think like, um, especially the way it's evolving, you know, new services that you can now offer, you know, and the price tag that comes on detailing. Now you can actually charge and make um, a good amount in this trade. So, yeah. but it does take work, like you said. Yeah. And then once you, once you get in there and you get all set up and get ready to roll, realize that there's another step ahead. So never, never think you're done and that you, you know, you think you're, you're finished. It's just like you said, a next step. Um, and don't ever get complacent because the second you get complacent and think you are, you're the bee's knees or, you know, you're the greatest thing ever. Somebody's going to be working harder than you that might be close to you. Um, and they, like I said before, they're watching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're watching. Oh, so yeah. the, second, the second that they know you're slacking off and that you're, you know, you think you're bare, mm-hmm. um, you got to keep elevating your game and just know that, that people are, you know, not coming for you personally, but they want to be where you're at and you could potentially be, you know, something that they keep their eyes on as far as where they want to go with, with their business and um, just keep the, keep the foot on the gas and do the work essentially. Yeah, 100%. There's always going to be that one dude in your area that is that may have not even thought about starting his business, but next year he does. And he could be the one that, you know, actually has a solid idea of how to brand himself has the know how to get out there and get that exposure. So you always have to be growing your business, you always have to be um, leveling up and just being better than what you were last year, because there is the guy that's going to come out and grow 10 times faster than you may have, at, you know, in your first year. Um, it's crazy. Like you do see, I see it all the time. Like you'll see 10 businesses that probably just won't make it honestly. And you, you, you can just tell, like, they just don't have that grind to get it done. Um, but you do see that one out of 10, that's just going to be, he knows he has the concept of what it takes. You can just tell he's going to grow faster. Yeah. And even, even with, you know, having quote unquote competition, I know I talk to a lot of the detailers in the area that are willing to talk to me. I know I've tried to reach out to a few and, you know, they're like, you know, you're my competition. I know I was on, I was on with Phil, uh, what was it? Two weekends ago. And he's, he's 30 minutes from and We essentially do, I would say probably the same thing. He does more, you know, paint enhancements, gloss enhancement. I do a little bit heavier corrections, but we essentially pretty much target the almost the same people. And uh, Tony Rawl, Rawl does details, who's big on the, the van bills. He's also in my area as well. Um, and I've, I've talked to all of them. So um, just knowing, you know, who your competition is, quote unquote competition is, um, and just knowing that they are good people. So um, just, just is what it is. So just don't be a douche. <laughs> talk to everybody. Talk to as many people as you can. But you never know when you're going to need somebody to help or, you know, look out or, you know, you might be slow for a week and they can refer somebody to you or vice versa. So. Yeah. And that's, what's so cool about it is like, if you, if you do it right, like I think a lot of people are really immature on how they, um, um, especially in this trade, I think just because like I say it all the time, like it's, it is, it's an experience based trade. You don't have to be a really smart, like I'm in it as well. So like, I'm almost like insulting myself every time I say this, but like, you don't have to have anything to get started in this. So you, what happens is you get a lot of people that are just 
just not there sometimes on yeah. um, how to view things or how to perceive things and, or just really close minded people is essentially what I would say. Um, and the way they look at competition is just completely wrong. And it's kind of a uh, toxic a little bit, but if you go at this, right, like, Hey, I'm cool with everybody like in my area, unless you just really wrong me. Um, oh, yeah. Dude, you can, you can have a, a, such a solid relationship with them that we're like, yeah. you're not going to stay booked up. No one is going to stay. I'm not going to say no one, but like most people won't stay booked up every week of the year. You're going to have slow weeks. You're going to have slower than normal weeks rather, you know, but if you could shoot a message over to dude and say, Hey, if you're super busy and you, you know, you need someone that, uh, or if you have a client that wants something done this week, like, and vice versa, man, that can be so powerful. Like, and just piggyback on, on off of each other and um, collaborate essentially. Yeah. And I, I, when I was saying about, you know, talking to your competition, I don't mean like every single day, like I'm busy, they're busy, everybody's busy. So, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, Hey, what's going on X, Y, Z once every month or once every two months, or I'm sure there's guys that talk to each other closer than that, but you gotta, you gotta realize that you're busy or I'm busy. They're busy. He's busy. She's busy, whatever the case may be. So just, get to know them, you know, be, be able to communicate with each other whenever you need something or need help and still be considered friends, but still be quote unquote competition. Um, but at the end of the day, there's, there's enough cars for everybody. And there's enough people that are spending money right now that you don't need to try to fight for the same people or fight for the same area. It's going to, the business will come as long as you're doing whatever you got to do and handle your own business and, you know, target who you want to target and, you know, do your social media and get your website up and your SEO and your marketing and, stay on top of your, uh, your socials. It's everything will take care of itself. As long as you're a good person, do good work and also stand by your work. Um, if there is an issue, hopefully there never is, but issues do happen. And it goes back to kind of the communication aspect is if there is an issue, how are you able to communicate it and say, you'll fix it without really blaming them or taking blame yourself to say, bring it by. What's the issue. First off, I'll mm. resolve it. Just let me know when you can come by so I can check it out and then we can get it scheduled to, to get it fixed. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Bradley, super fun episode, man. Um, how can people find you, um, like your socials? Uh, let, let them know how they can find you. Yeah, I'm on uh, Instagram, AutoWorks Detailing RVA is my uh, Instagram handle. Um, if you want to check out my website as well, uh, if you want to check out how I do my price or my packages or how, my, every, or how everything's laid out, uh, AutoWorksDetail.com. That's AutoWorksDetail.com. Um, and also you can find me on Facebook as well. It's a business page, AutoWorks Detailing RVA also. So heck yeah, dude. Yeah. Awesome. I appreciate you having me. I know I wanted to get on early cause I know you're going to blow up. That is it for this episode of the detail spot podcast. Had a lot of fun chatting it up with Bradley and just really you know, hearing him share what he's done in this industry and, and what he plans to do in the future. So it's it's really cool to hear other people's ambitions and and see how far they're willing to take this. So I hope you enjoyed it as well. And if you're listening on this, if you're listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and you're really enjoying the episodes coming from this channel, if you can leave us a review, it's gonna greatly help the channel grow. And if you enjoyed this episode, Make sure to share it with a friend so that they can enjoy it as well. And like always, if you ever need anything, always feel free to shoot me a message on social media. I'll be glad to help in any way I can. And stay tuned for the next episode of the Detail Spot Podcast.